The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront podcast by FX Missions. We believe that God calls us beyond where we are, equips us for the unforeseen, and gives us the victory, even if we don't ever see the victory ourselves. Hi, Scott McClelland here for your FX Missions podcasting effort. Thanks for being with us. Happy, so happy and excited, actually, today to be joined by Dr. Nicole Davis. Welcome. Thank you so much, Scott. I am so happy to be here. Well, thank you for taking time. Obviously, we're recording in a season here, a month here that can get crowded out from a lot of angles, and you made time to be with us, so I really appreciate that. We've got some interesting stuff to dig into today. I really appreciate you going through the process to get on the podcast here because I know it's been a long lead up and you're a literary agent and that kind of stuff, but thank you. It's all worth it. Well, I appreciate it. And just as we're getting out of the gate here, I want to mention that Dr. Nicole Davis has a podcast. If you want to do a deep dive with some of her content on that side, we certainly want to make you aware of that. And also, uh, we'll backlink to it in the podcast show notes and such so that you can get there easily. But as we're getting started, Doctor, what is that podcast name again? It's called Eve, Where Are You? Podcast. Eve, Where Are You? Okay. Yes. I think you're on most of the podcast platforms. That's correct. So I listened a little bit out there and you've got quite a few shows. So thanks for doing that. Interestingly enough, your book is also called Eve, Where Are You? Am I correct? That's right. Eve, Where Are You? And the subtitle is Confronting Toxic Practices Against the Advancement of Women. Mm, we are going to have an interesting show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to say, you know, I've read into your book. I haven't finished it, but I've read enough to know this is some good stuff. And thank you for writing that book. I think it probably took some courage on your part to approach it and to dig in and find out what you felt was the right way to go about that. What made you want to write a book about this subject? And if you can, unpack a little bit for us what the book's core essence is, in addition to what the subtitle communicates. Yes, thank you for that. And when I'm saying thank you right now, I'm saying for your willingness to read the book and then the fact that you find it to be interesting. Anytime I get that perspective from a man, it touches me in a very special place because it is for women primarily, but it's also for men because it's really hard to know what's going on with women in the way that I share it without a willingness 
to look into it. So thank you so much for that. I oh, appreciate you're most it. welcome. Most welcome. I've got three daughters. I'm fully vested in yeah. the advancement of women. <laughs> and, you know, I think that can help a lot of men if they're, you know, thinking about what do I want most for my children and if they happen to have girls. But just to answer your question, the book was not my first endeavor, meaning I was working on my dissertation. I had mm. recently graduated with a doctorate in conflict analysis and resolution, and this was in 2019. Okay. And at the time that I was deciding what I wanted to write about, I was primarily focused on leadership. I have a background in federal government. I work with leaders. I work with how leaders relate to others. And so in that work, I was seeing a lot of disparities in what was being taught and trained, but how it was actually being worked out or lived out mm -hmm. or exemplified in the workplace. And that was a head scratcher to me because why is this information not resonating with these managers in a way that there are tangible results in the workplace? Yes. And so that was the lane I was going down. And it was during that time that I was looking at writing on leadership in the federal government my son entered stage left with <laughs> a question to me. And I actually go in quite a bit of detail about this in the book. Mm -hmm. It was at a time when he was just coming back from college. He had finished up, but he was waiting on his background check to be done for mm -hmm. where he was going to be stationed for his job. And during that time, he came back to the church that he had been in that we had been attending. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to make the decision for himself if he wanted to continue going there because, see, now he's an adult. Right. And he doesn't have to do what we're doing. <laughs> and so we welcomed it. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Do what you need to do to make an informed decision. We loved it. Yes. <laughs> so in his attending one of the partnership meetings, he got to hear what the church stood for and mm. what they uh, we're working on and what they supported. And it was through that meeting, he realized that they didn't support women in leadership. They didn't believe in women leaders. And I found out about that because when he came home, when he came in from the meeting, I remember that day so clearly. He uh, came in the kitchen and I asked, so how did it go? And he, you know, started telling me about it. And one of the first things he mentioned was the fact that they were not supportive of women leaders in that church. And I already knew that we are there. In mm -hmm. fact, I was the director of the women's ministry at the time. So I was heavily involved with mm -hmm. the ministry. And so was my husband. But our son couldn't understand why we would support something like that. Why we would be okay, were his words actually. And you're okay with that? Mm -hmm. And Scott, it hit me in a way that really made me look at who I was and what I was doing and what was this representing to him based on all the things that we had been teaching them as they were growing up. And at that same time that I'm having this conversation or feeling this conviction, mm -hmm. the Lord began to speak to me about my role in the lives of women. And what's so interesting about him speaking to me about that, it's not that I really had an interest in the affairs of women or the plight of women. It wasn't something that I was pursuing 
I was the director of the women's ministry, but that wasn't even anything that I pursued. I was just interested in people. My undergrad degree is in social work. So Mm -hmm. families, women and children, like there was just a natural interest in how it is that we parent, how our families develop, but not specifically women. Yeah. So when these opportunities were coming up and it was happening at different junctures in my life, you know, when I look back on it, where there was this push towards women or this natural interest of women wanting to spend time with me or wanting me to mentor them and all of that. But I didn't give it much thought. Right. And so in this particular moment, when he said that to me, and are you okay with that? And the Lord put (laughs) the... Why is that funny, Scott? (laughs) It's like he's kind of standing you up there a little bit. You know, I mean, he's kind of pushing back. It seems like... He challenged me. Yeah, he challenged you. That's what I thought. It was a direct challenge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I took it as such. Well, it sounds like it was, but I've got one question. I don't want to break your stride there. No, it's fine. As you were saying... You know, some of the things that we espouse or some of the things that we state as our position on something, it can be one thing. And then how it works itself out can be something else. Was the stated point of view one that marginalized women or was it just the way it was working itself out? It was the belief that women could be put in leadership positions if under a man. Okay. But they could not be in a position of leadership that would be in authority over a man. Okay. They couldn't be elders. Yeah. They couldn't be pastors. They could be a minister. Yes. They could run auxiliary groups and ministries. Right. But not one with a voting right. Like you're not making decisions. Although he can be consulted by a woman. Uh Uh-huh. In the back, in a separate meeting, maybe a lunch. Right, right. But not from the pulpit. Right. The reason I wanted to emphasize that is because I really wanted to make sure that we were understanding what your son was objecting to. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, what about it, mom? You know, you're being marginalized. Not necessarily yourself, because you were already in a leadership position there. Right. But women are being marginalized on the basis of gender. Is that what he was saying? What he was saying, it was that and also what he was saying, because we've talked about it many times since, is that what's the big deal? Because he's always just known women to do and he's watched me like, so why would you be okay for other women not to do? Mm. Like This should just be normal. So why is there even a separate conversation Mm -hmm. about what women can do now? The other thing is women could preach. It's not that women couldn't deliver a message on a Sunday at this particular church. They just could not be in a position of authority. And, you know, uh, there are some churches where a woman can't even be in the pulpit. Yes, I'm aware of some of that. Yes, yes. You know, this church felt like they were really doing something pretty good because, after all, women could preach from the pulpit and they could be ministers. Yeah, But that's where they had to draw the line. (laughs) Well, (laughs) if you haven't realized it yet, guys, we're talking about women and leadership. (laughs) And we're trying to hash this out a touch. Now, the challenge came from your son. Mm -hmm. To me, that's valuable. You know, just like you're saying, 
as we've talked, my three daughters, I have three yes. daughters, is keeping me interested in how they fulfill themselves and how they fulfill their calling. It's very important to me because I'm really closely connected to it. We could unpack some complicated things there, maybe at another time, Doc. Yes, <laughs> because, yes. You know, I've, I've noticed some differences between all girl families and all boy families. I mean, you got an all boy family in terms of your children. I've got all girl family. I noticed some stuff there, but I don't have a doctorate or uh, undergrad in social work. So uh-huh. we'll unpack that at a separate time. Mm-hmm. I really would love to do that because I think it's worth getting into. Mm-hmm. I don't have any like completed thoughts there. But women were being marginalized in the environment. He was saying, what's up with this? Yes. And one of the other things that he made me realize, when you're living, you're just living. You're kind of not right. thinking about all of these different things. But in his mind, he had always seen both his dad and his mom thriving and striving and going after education and in leadership Mm, and doing well on their jobs Mm -hmm. and working together as a partnership in the home. So there was no distinguishing by gender. Right. It just didn't compute for him. Mm. And that's eye opening in and of itself, because to me, just, you know, and it's just, it's like the Lord has such a sense of humor. Like, I'm going to give you sons and daughters to raise. And so whatever your thoughts are about that gender, are you saying that's true for your own children? Because a lot of times we speak independent of what's happening in our home Mm. for something that's outside of us. Right. But only when it really touches us. Like, can you imagine a father whose daughter has been sent home or has been demoted or is not allowed to be promoted because of her gender when he sent her to the best schools? Mm. She's been exposed and had privilege of being trained by the best of the best in a particular area. And her gender Mm. would keep her from actualizing something she's worked so hard for and is competent to do. Mm. And the same question could be asked of their father. And are you okay with that? Great question. (laughs) I know how I would answer. Yes. You know, yeah. So while we can stand so flat-footed when we're talking about someone who's not necessarily connected to us, per se, you know, I'm looking at this woman who has the degree or who has the experience or believes she is called by God, and I can stand flat-footed and look at her and say no, no to you. Mm. Would you want that same thing done or said to your beloved, to your offspring? I don't think you would. No, no. And then if you would, how can you explain that to your daughter who looks to you? You know, our children look to us. They trust everything we say. They believe us. We're their example. Right. And would we limit them in that moment? Would you tell them, no, I'm sorry, daughter. No, you were born less than. Mm. I appreciate you putting it in that way, because I think that's what we're talking about. You know, the subject Obviously, there's a lot of points of view around it and there are different approaches to it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what the pivotal part of what we're talking about here is less than greater than conversation. It seems like people are reticent, I think, to make that admission. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that that feels weird. You don't want to say that. Yeah. But are you behaving in a way that suggests you believe it? You know, I think that's what we've got to reconcile ourselves to. and. 
your stance on this and getting vocal and going deep in what you were feeling and felt like the Lord showing you and committing the resource of time and expression yes. to write a book about it. Very, very worthwhile. And I think very timely. And the other part of that, the hard part of that is accepting it. Because in that moment when my son said that, that wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> I had no interest in doing that. Right. But more than that, I didn't want to let down my father, my heavenly father. It was something mm. he was giving me to do. It was an assignment in that moment. I knew it just as sure as I was standing there. Yes. You know, I've had experiences with him before. You know, there are times when you know you're hearing from the Lord. Yes. There are times when you may not be so certain, but then there are those clear times where it's like, I heard from the Lord and that yes. was one of those. And you're not going to be able to get out of it. <laughs> no. it, it imposes I, responsibility, right? <laughs> yes, it does. Mm. And then at the end, do you want to have moments of regret or to stand before him and have to explain why you didn't do what he told you to do? Mm. If we really believe him and yes. believe in him. Yes. Yes. And that's another conversation. That like, is another conversation. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right, Doc. You're getting in our business here, but that's, that's, that's good for us. That's good for yes. us. Yes. Thank you. I switched everything that I was doing around my dissertation and did this deep dive into women in ministry. In fact, my dissertation is entitled Women in Ministry, How Conflicts Between God's Purpose and Church Doctrine Impact the Efficacies of Female Church Leaders. I love the word efficacy. Yes. <laughs> you had me at efficacy. I've got to tell you that right now. I mean, obviously, folks, if you're not familiar with the term, please look it up. But it's a sense of effectiveness. And you could unpack it better than me. But efficacy is a sense of uh, power. It's a sense yes. of I can be effective and fruitful. And I think your point here is that we're doing something to undermine the efficacy of yes. women. My uh, my sheer ability, you are trying to take that away from me. Mm. And what gives you the right? How, how do you right. how do you think it's OK to do that to another human being? Yeah. Whew, we in it now. We in it now. <laughs> yes. I'm loving this. And I'm really thankful that we're digging in here, taking sufficient time to dig into the problem. Yes. For those of you who are listening, I want to encourage you to step back and think about these things and not react. One of the higher forms of intelligence is to hold two opposing thoughts in the mind at the same time and still be able to function. And I think we need that because that's going to give us an opportunity to create some depth around our thing we're studying, our thing we're focusing on. So we've all been trained a certain way. We've all been brought up a certain way. There's a wide variety of those backgrounds. And many of us, we've been informed in different ways or things have been emphasized to us in a way that caused us to have certain feelings and beliefs. And I think we do right to question those. Examine all things, hold fast to that which is good, I think is what the scripture tells us. But sometimes when we have a fixed point of view or one that was passed down to us without investigation, then we tend to have a reaction to anything that's different than what we are used to or what we're familiar with or what we 
have on board. And I think we got to challenge those presuppositions, those suppositions, that, that approach. And I think that's what your book is going to help us do. Yeah, it's a level of self-awareness that most people don't allow themselves to go there. It's a level of responsibility for self and how we think and react and engage others that is very mature. And it takes time and it takes a willingness and it's a level of compassion and empathy that is beyond ourselves in order to even do that because we care so much about the efficacy, the ability and the freedom for others to have and to be exactly as I have. And to me, Jesus epitomizes that. Mm. Yes. Yes, he does. He is why I am, because he gave me that space and he has given me the gifts and the love to be all that he created and designed me to be. Yes. And so if we are truly Jesus followers, then we should do as he did and as he does for us every single day. Agreed. And those are the kind of, you know, when I'm thinking about just how it is that I handle others, when you just think about just at its most basic level, the Mm. two greatest commandments, when you think about what they are, there is no gender attachment to it. Right. Yes. To either one. We got to love God. Right. Okay, should a man love God differently than a woman loving God? I don't think so. (laughs) Did he save us in different proportions to one another? Mm. I don't think so. And then to love each other. That's where the courage comes in, that I can love you enough to allow you to soar, to go as high, as far as you want. And you're saying you're doing it to the glory of God? for the advancement of the kingdom. And I'm going to say, no, no, you can't. No, that's too much. Because that's what we're really talking about, Scott. A woman's ability or right to preach, to help people in the Mm -hmm. name of the Lord. Yeah, yes. (laughs) Really? Yes. I want to get back to something else you said in your book, because this was intriguing to me. And I think will help us understand the contrast And maybe this will help us broaden our perspective in the conversation as we're considering it. If I remember right, you were in the military. Yes. You've been in the professional workplace. You've obviously been in education space and offered a lot of money to (laughs) and a lot of time to get to the advanced degrees that you've gotten to. And you were noticing, I believe, if I remember right, the disparity in these contexts as it related to the advancement of women. Wasn't that a part of what you were saying in your book that in the professional world, a woman can be the CEO of a company? Exactly. Well, a woman can even be the president of the United States now. We're pretty comfortable with that idea. Yeah, yeah. Because I interviewed men and women for my dissertation, and some of that information also is in the book. And these were male and female church leaders. Mm Mm-hmm who were giving me their perspectives of why it is that they felt the way they did about women leaders and where they had learned that. Yeah. And there were some of those men who actually in their day job worked for women, but felt <laughs> when they got to church, uh, I, I am not making this up. I know you're not. <laughs> wow. And it was, I think in me bringing that to their attention, like you report to a woman, right? but you're saying that that same woman could not then join your church 
mm-hmm. and bring her gifts and skills and ability and anointing mm. to your local church and serve there. He said, no, nope, she couldn't. She couldn't. Did it affect him like, oh, we've got to rethink this? Or did he harden his perspective and no, say? No, no. I don't mind having the conversation because I'm probably going to ask more questions mm. than make hard, fast statements because sure. I want the person to understand their own perspective. It's not that you have to take on mine, but that you can clearly understand where you're coming from when you make these statements. And yeah. he actually did not harden. It did make him say, oh, I got some work to do. Yeah. At one point, I think he said, yeah, my wife does say I'm a male chauvinist. <laughs> so maybe he didn't believe her before. <laughs> maybe he's starting to see her point. Right. Uh-huh. And it's something even bigger. He said, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm actually getting ready to start pastoring a new church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to think about this some more before I start that new position. I think that must have been rewarding that yes. you had that conversation and that depth of engagement yes. and real examination there. Yes. And I told him, you have to know that this is God's timing, that you and I are sitting down having this conversation before he gives you such an important assignment to take on mm. with the mindset that you currently have about yeah. women. Right. We're in the middle of it here, and we're taking a look at the context. What's the situation? How do we see clearly? Because there are scriptures that people emphasize, and I would be remiss not to mention it, that there are certain scriptures that take a certain tactic toward this situation we're talking about. And there are other scriptures that take a different attack. You know, it's easy, I think, for us to quickly organize into camps <laughs> you right. know, and start lobbing munitions over the wall. Right. And I think that's the thing we've got to avoid in order to have a real conversation and to really consider these things. Obviously, the things come to mind that we're talking about. There's a scripture about, I don't allow women to teach men or I don't allow right. women to have authority over men. And you right. know, then you have other scriptures where a woman... You read it right. A woman was the first one to see the risen Christ and be commissioned to take the news of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Come on. Well, I'm feeling that right now. Well, let me just add to what you just said. Please. It wasn't just Mary, which we are often taught. There were women. And if you go back and look at that again, I want to say Matthew, Mark, Luke. it might be in Luke where it's more obvious that it was women. And if it's not Luke, you can do a search. It's one of the gospels where it's like, oh my goodness, I was understanding this to be one woman, but they all went and ran and had to tell the story. It was Mary and the other women. Yes. Yes. We were only giving her name. Maybe she was the primary one spokesperson, but just like the disciples, while we may hear of a certain one at different times, we know they were all there all the time with Jesus. That scripture is actually a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy that says, God is great and great is the company of the women. Yes. Who publishes greatness. So. (laughs) See, I wasn't trying to go there. (laughs) You get to pull out the concordance here, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
And you're right. I totally agree. This is not a scriptural debate. And I, mm-hmm. although I cover all of these scriptures, mm-hmm. I tackle that topic in the book. Yeah. I talk about it in my dissertation. That is not what this is about because mm-hmm. we can find scriptures or statistics to defend anything and sure. everything. But what is important is that we look at how this stance is impacting the very people who attend these churches Mm -hmm. and how it's impacting their families and the individuals within them. Agreed. And I think that also is scriptural, what you're saying, because you're going to know everything by the fruit it produces. That's right. What's the outcomes that are being produced by these approaches? If it's not the outcomes that we feel are best and highest and most glorifying to God, I think we have to step back and consider it, right? That's right. Yes, that's right. Because if we don't, then we have to wonder what's in operation really within us. Mm. What's taking preeminence and how it is that we're making decisions? Mm. Who are we really being led by? And Jesus questioned the spiritual leaders all the time based on their conduct. (laughs) Did he not? Yes, he did. It It was the leaders that he had the problem with. And this is really a spiritual matter. You know, this is not... Boys against girls, you know, the he-man woman haters club or the he-woman man haters club. It's just not that. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. And I think that's the kind of a reaction, chain reaction, chain overreaction that we have to each other when we start having these conversations. If you're listening to this and you're having an internal reaction, okay, it's because of programming, not because you're thinking, not because you're examining. It's because you're programmed to respond a certain way. And you might want to take a look at your programming. Mm. That's what I'm thinking. It's an opportunity for all of us to grow. Yes. Because we're all on the same team. We all want the same thing. Well said. And I want to go back a little bit to what you were saying in terms of it being a partnership in the home. Yes. Okay. We all know where we're coming from, guys. We know historically the way these things were looked at and considered. With no disrespect to our forebears, okay? I don't have any hate in my heart for folks that took a certain position, but I think about people when I was growing up, and yes, I've crossed the great divided 50 like many have. Please don't turn (laughs) off the podcast right now. When I was growing up spiritually, I met the Lord when I was 16 and very, very thankful for that, you know, to have been saved as a young person. But I remember people saying that the man is the leader of the home. Or things like that. It was routinely characterized that way. And what I understood that to infer is that the woman has no leadership role in the home. And guys, that's a lie. Okay. (laughs) The man (laughs) is a leader in the home and the woman is a leader in the home. And what they individually contribute to that partnership is going to be based on what they bring to the partnership. Am I saying this in a way that makes sense? Well, it sounds good. I, I mean, you. this is where the offering could come out for real. Give <laughs> <laughs> to the work. Oh, <laughs> Scott <God>. McClellan. Oh, <laughs> oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. And I say that because you're advancing kingdom thoughts. This is what it's all about. And this is what changes lives. Yes, it is a partnership of leaders, the man and the woman together. That's why it takes the two of them to have a child, because it takes the two of them to raise 
a child. All of the gifts and abilities, all of the beauty of the man and the beauty of the woman coming together on one accord with one mind Mm. to raise this child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Mm. That has to be done in partnership. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not sure if I was persona non grata in some of those circles that I was traveling in in those early days. But even then, I knew we got this wrong, guys. Mm. The man is not the leader in the home and the woman's not the leader in the home. We're inferring that somebody, you know, they're the only leader. And that is unintentional, I think, sometimes unintentional marginalization. We got to call it on that, you know. Our 40 minute marks on the approach. And I want to make sure that we get anything in that you want to say and make sure that we also cover just some last minute things. I think we're going to be getting on the podcast again, if you have time and willingness, that we'll do another session to maybe unpack this in a little more detail. Yes, yes, I'd love that. Yeah, I think because it's such a critical subject that we're going to be featuring on both podcasts because. I think it challenges us in a way that we need to be challenged. You know, self-examination is important, not only just in terms of at the personal level, but how we interact with others. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. I think that also is a biblical thing that we should be doing. And we should always be learning. And if our minds are made up, there's no more room for learning. So let's unlock the rusty lock and key and chain around our minds Yes, and try to see if we can get some more in there. I think we're still going toward perfection and it would do us all well, especially those that we interact with to make sure that our Christ-likeness is growing. I'm talking too much. Please, (laughs) what else would you like to share here, doctor, that we haven't gotten to? What else can we emphasize or in sort of in closing to this chapter, at least of the podcast, what would you like to say? The most important leadership begins with us as individuals, the personal leadership that we have of our own lives and the example that we are for those who depend on us and who look to us. And if you're a mother and a father, it's going to be first your children. And there does come a day when your children will begin to challenge the things that you've taught them because they're going to be a Mm. part of the world. They're going to get to see other perspectives. Mm -hmm. They're going to have other experiences. And then they're going to be comparing them with what you have said. And they're going to be looking at the results of both. Mm. And like most people, we're going to lean towards the people who are where we want to be or who are doing what we want to do or Mm -hmm. believe as we believe. Mm -hmm. And as parents, if we're not first willing to look at how it is that we exemplify Christ and how it is that we stand in the truth of the word that allows everyone to be their best and to have the whatever it is they believe that God has called them to do, then we're going to lose the very people that we hold near and dear. And that also goes into the church. Mm. Pastors will begin to lose the very people that they believe they're teaching when what they're teaching doesn't line up with what the word of God is saying. Mm. And so as parents, our personal leadership, our personal example is what we want to work on. And this book allows us to do that because it allows us to become exactly who God called us to be as men and women together in unity for the advancement of the kingdom. Can I get an amen? That's right. (laughs) That's right. 
Well said, sister. Well said. Thank you. And thank you for your courage. This is not something you want to talk about if you're being intimidated. It's a tough and a sticky subject. And we have to have courage to approach these things. And you, most of all, have demonstrated that in this conversation. So thank you for taking courage and taking the time and the effort to unpack this a whole bunch, do the research, do the interviews, put the book together, come on podcasts like this and hold forth this important perspective. Really, really appreciate it. I just want to reemphasize, if you're wanting to go deeper in this content, there's a podcast, Eve, Where Are You? And also the same is the title of a book that Dr. Nicole has written, and it would do you good to get a copy. We'll backlink also to for folks to click through to get a copy. I would guess Amazon or wherever would be easy to get it Yes. From. Okay. Mm-hmm. In parting, and this is kind of a setup maybe for the next recording we'll do, I really appreciated the way you titled the book. Obviously, it, there's a reference there to Genesis and the way it plays out there. But I think it's a call to action that you're making. To me, it seems like Eve, where are you, is basically an appeal to women in a call to action sort of way. We haven't talked about this. Oh, Scott. Come on. Talk to me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, yes, it is. Because when you think about just in Genesis from... You know, when God called out to Adam, Adam, where are you? Mm -hmm. We know that God knew where Adam was. We know that God knew what Adam had done. Mm -hmm. But with him was a woman. Yes. Who somehow has gotten lost in this story. And only the man seemed to be able to be redeemed, Mm. to be able to get back in place Mm -hmm. and get back in right relationship with God. But the woman has gotten lost somewhere. And as long as she remains lost, there is an aspect of all that we're striving to do that will never be known in its fullness until she steps in the light as well. Mm. So whatever is keeping her from doing that, we've got to figure that out. Eve, where are you? Mm. And this is multi-layered. That question is multi-layered. Yes, it is. Yes, it is exactly what you said. And it is exactly what I said. (laughs) Let's start the next podcast that we do, and hopefully we could record in the next couple of months. Let's start the conversation around this call to action and the other layers that come into play there in terms of Eve, where are you? Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. If folks want to contact you or know more, they can go to the podcast. We'll have a backlink there for the podcast as well as the book. But if someone wanted to reach out to you and make further connection or know more, is there a place we could send them? Yes. Info. Okay. At Empower to Engage. E-M-P-O-W-E-R, the word to, T-O-E-N-G-A-G-E dot com. Info at Empower to Engage. Awesome. Well, folks, Let's dig into this. It's important stuff. Please do open your mind and think through these things. You may feel a little rattled. And if you need to pull over, if you're listening to this podcast while driving, to collect yourself after you've been challenged, feel free to do so. Do make sure no one's to your right. And uh, no, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Nicole Davis, (laughs) for being here. What a blessing to get into this with you. 
I've got some secrets I'm holding to the next podcast okay. as well. So <laughs> I got to say, very, very helpful. Many blessings to you. Hope you enjoy a great holiday with your family. And I look forward to reconnecting soon. Thank you. Thank you. The same to you. It was my pleasure. All the best. As for me, I'm Scott McClelland for FX Missions Podcasting. If you need to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thanks for being with us. If God spoke to you today, we'd love to hear about it. Click through to the episode notes on your podcast app, choose the link for your favorite social media platform, and share it with us there. And if you've not done this already, follow the show in your favorite podcast app at fromtheforefront.com slash follow. Click the link in the episode notes, choose your favorite podcast app, and follow us there to get every episode for free.